Hey podcast, Jeep and Bubba here and I'm coming to you today with a special episode. Um, it's something that I've, it, it's an episode that I've wanted to do for quite some time now. Um, but I, it's kind of hard for me to relive this memory. Uh, it's been a little over a year now since it's happened and, uh, uh, I did make a video about it on my YouTube, but this is the first time I've ever spoken out about it. Uh, I've told a couple friends this story, but even then, it's kind of hard for me to tell. But uh, I, it's a story that I want to tell. It has a lot of uh, significant meaning. Uh, it was a, a, a fantastic adventure for me, but it's the most pitfalls uh, and devastations I think I've ever had in such a short period um, in my life. Uh, and it involves jeeping. <laughs> it centers around jeeping and, um, yeah, I'm here to talk to you about it. I do want to preface this, um, podcast by saying that, uh, some of the inspiration to talk about it today was the fact that my good friend, Jonathan Woolley is needing some content for S3 magazine. And I knew if I did it in podcast form, then I could transcribe it into written form and then edit it and then uh, submit it to him to help him get some uh, some content. Uh, with all this crazy coronavirus stuff going on, he hasn't been out doing as much uh, press stuff with, with his magazine, so uh, I'm just trying to help him out in that sense. I don't know if this will make the cut or make it in the magazine, but I figured, hey, if I put it out in podcast form first, uh, which is it's always easier for me to talk, than it is for me to write. It's easier for me to film, actually, than it is to talk. So I like to film first. Uh, I like to go do things, and then I can talk about them, and then it's easy, even easier for me uh, to listen back to myself and write it and transcribe it and then edit it in that form and fashion. So um, typically when I make um, social media posts, uh, you'll see the YouTube video come out first, and then you'll see... Um, a podcast come out maybe about it or around it and then like an Instagram post or Facebook post or something come out last. Um, so anyways, uh, I'm just prefacing this, this episode based on that. So this, the topic I want to talk about today is, uh, uh, about Rapid City, South Dakota. Um, I, at this point I'm going to start, uh, talking sort of like how I'm going to write it in the magazine. Um, so, um, to myself, this is where you start transcribing. <laughs> so, uh, I'd like to title, I'd like to title this episode, um, the worst greatest trip of my life. So, uh, I'm talking to you guys today about a trip I took to South Dakota, Rapid City, South Dakota in 2019 in uh, the fall. And uh, it was, uh, to give you some context, my family, uh, my immediate family, as well as uh, my my mother and father, my brother-in-law, my sister-in-law, uh, I mean my sister, um, some of my immediate family, we, we uh, save money every year throughout the year and we take one big trip. And um, this happened to be uh, uh, Rapid City, South Dakota was the destination we had chose. Um, so I was going there. I uh, had originally planned to fly out um, with my wife and my daughter, who was uh, eight months at the time, eight months old. And um, my sister and her husband were going out, and then his parents were coming. 
in from uh, East Texas, and they were going to be there with his brother. And uh, we were all staying in the same hotel and sort of doing the same things, uh, wanted to see the same sights, and we were all there sort of for the same reason. So uh, I, I couldn't wait to go. I knew that uh, Rapid City was um, close by to Mount Rushmore. It was close by to the Badlands, and it was close by to the Black Hills. And the Black Hills, um, to a lot of Jeepers, have a reputation of being a amazing place to go off-road and wheel. They have a, um, some fantastic trails. Um, so the Black Hills are a really great place uh, to go off-road. And uh, it, it's just, you know, it's basically in the center of the United States, so it's not close to anything. Uh, it's not easily accessible. It, it's not, uh, it's a, from here, I think it's like a 36 or 38-hour drive to get there. So it's some, it, it's, uh, it's definitely not, um, around the corner to say the least. And it's not a place that I thought I was going to get to go anytime soon in my life. Um, there is a Jeepers Jamboree that happens every year in Black Hills. And I was able to use some of that information. There were some locals in Georgia that I was able to get some information from about the event, or about not about the event, but about the area. And, um, I reached out to some local clubs in that area and got some information about off-roading, but, uh, I figured what I'd do when I got there was rent a side-by-side -side and, uh, do some off-roading, which I actually did do while I was there. But, um, at, at, at the time when we were originally planning the, uh, the trip, at the time we were planning the trip, uh, I owned a Jeep Cherokee. I'm sorry, you may actually hear, uh. My daughter in the background, <laughs> uh, she's uh, playing with a, a new car that she just got, and uh, so I record the podcast literally in, uh, in our bedroom, in our closet, so we have a, a walk-in closet in our master bedroom, uh, and it's the most amount of doors I can put between me and the kids. <laughs> it's three doors, and then of course, with actually, with the clothes in, in, in the closet, um, I'm able to put... Um, uh, a bar stool in here. And then I got my cup of coffee, um, which I'll take a sip of some nice cold brew. Anyways. Um, it, and the acoustics are kind of nice and it usually can insulate me from them, but she's pretty excited. So, um, you might've heard her in there anyways. So the time I owned my Jeep Cherokee, um, which was a 2001 for 4.0 four wheel drive, uh, about a six, six and a half inch, um, lift kit on it, long arm bumpers, really, really, um, off-road worthy Jeep, really good Jeep off-road. Um, really enjoyed the Jeep, but I'd been looking for a Jeep, uh, Wrangler, a, uh, TJ Unlimited, also known as an LJ. I'd been looking for probably a year, year and a half for something under $10,000. Now, I really wanted a Rubicon, but uh, knew that was going to be impossible under ten grand. And uh, the point I'm getting to is I knew that that, that Cherokee was not a vehicle that was going to make it out west. Um, so I never really thought about bringing a Jeep out west uh, to, to South Dakota. So um, to give him more context, three months exactly before we were supposed to leave for this trip, I was on Facebook Market and I saw a guy selling uh, an LJ, uh, a green LJ at that. I really like green. And uh, he was selling it for $9,000. And he was uh, 
way up in North Georgia, um, really close to Chattanooga, actually, and um, just almost on the uh, on the border. And the older guy, nice guy, I saw that me and him had one mutual friend. Uh, that one mutual friend is uh, one of the owners of an off-road shop um, in Tennessee uh, called Scorpion Off-Road. And I contacted him, uh, Jonathan, and I said, hey, how do you know this guy? And he goes, that's my father-in-law. Why do you ask? I said, well, I'm interested in his LJ. And he said, please don't buy it. I really want to buy it. That thing's really nice. I've done all the service work on it. He's only the second owner of the vehicle, and he's always really kept it up well. So I, of course, had to go purchase it that day. I tried to haggle the guy. He knew what he had. Uh, had a hard top. It came with a soft top and a hard top. The hard tops are really rare to find. Not to mention the LJs are really rare to find. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, um, in 2004, they started making the Jeep Wrangler Unlimited, which was basically um, a longer wheelbase uh, Jeep, similar to like a CJ Scrambler and similar to the JKUs and the JLUs of today, um, but it was only a two-door. So the extra wheelbase not only gives you more cargo room and more room for your passengers, but the extra wheelbase makes you a lot more stable uh, and rock crawling. And they only made that Jeep until 2006. They made it in Rubicon form and they made it in... Um, basically like a sport or in Sahara mode, uh, sport and Sahara model. Sorry. And, um, and they only made it for, um, a couple years. They, they all came with the Dana 44 in the rear, which was nice because of the TJs at the time, some came with 44s, uh, uh, all the Rubicons came with 44s, but some of the Sahara packages came with 44s in the rear, but would have had a Dana 30 front. So mine has a Dana 30 front 44 in the rear. Um, anyways, I was able to buy it. And, uh, that meant I had to sell my Cherokee, but after driving it and, and speaking with the guy, um, and, and talking with Jonathan at Scorpion, uh, all the service had been done on it. The oil was nice. The interior was nice. It had been detailed. It was, the paint was in fantastic shape. Every filter was in fantastic shape, really well kept together Jeep. Um, the only modifications that were done to it was it had a small level kit in the front, just some um, puck spacers, and it had um, some slightly larger tires um, and and some aftermarket wheels. That's the only thing they did to it. I think they said they took it off-roading once. The prior owner was an older guy who babied it. Now, uh, mine is a 2005 when I bought it. It had 179 or 108, low 80s, thousand miles on it. But it drove fantastic uh air condition works the defrost works on the hard top the rear wiper works on the hard top everything worked has a nice newer radio in it um just a really really nice jeep and i could not believe that i got it for nine thousand dollars um and i'm not even ashamed to say what i paid for it because it's just a smoking deal if i'd have waited maybe a year and just sold it as is could probably sold it for 13 or 14 or maybe even 15 depending on the market so uh, without modifying it so i knew uh right off the bat that i wanted to modify it and build it for rock crawling but uh not go too extreme where um, I couldn't do some overlanding and long distance driving. And the idea started to form in my head that I wanted to take it to South Dakota. So maybe about two months before we were going to leave for South Dakota, I told my wife, um, she was buying plane tickets for us to go. And I said, don't buy me a plane ticket. She said, what? 
I said, I'm, I'm going to drive the LJ out. I'm going to drive it all the way out there. Uh, and she said, well, you're crazy. Um, but okay, you can do it. Uh, it's really reliable. Um, and, and there's no reason why I don't think you could drive it out there. Um, are you going to modify it before then? I said, yeah. And, uh, that's kind of how it all started. Uh, this is not the first time I've done a road trip in a Jeep. I've, I drove from Georgia to, uh, the Rubicon trail in California, which is, uh, near Tahoe. And, uh, it take, took me five days to get there, five days to get back and wheeled there and was successful with that trip. Of course that JK had about 40,000 miles on it, but I, th I didn't think that it was going to be that big, uh, of an issue to take, uh, the LJ out. So, um, what I did before the trip was, uh, change the suspension. I went with a rock crawler brand, three and a half inch long arm, their X factor kit. So what that does is, um, basically the belly pan gets replaced on, uh, the Jeep that holds the transfer case and transmission gets replaced with their, uh, belly pan, their plate. And it has uh, control arms on it or control arm mounts on it. So basically, um, you four link the rear, uh, by you, you triangulate, triangulate four link the rear by, uh, welding in a cradle on the rear axle that they provide. Then you have four arms that go to the rear you eliminate the track bar in the rear. And then, uh, in the front, you still keep the, the track bar and, um, and you run a, three links set up. Um, but t technically it's, it's more than three links since you still have, uh, a track bar. But, uh, what they do is they have a, uh, a little bushing that you, um, add to the front axle and uh, basically you truss everything up and, and make it strong. But what a long arm does is basically, um, takes the factory arm location and, and moves it back so that the actual arms that it so basically <laughs> let me preface everything uh since the straight axle since G, wranglers are straight axle the control arms center and keep along with the track bars keep the axles uh centered under the jeep and they keep it um castered out and they are what it controls pretty much all of the alignment um besides the steering but but as far as like your caster camber and, um, uh, basically that's what it controls both of those. So, and it, and it holds the axle in place and what it's, what allows the axles to articulate. So when you lift a Wrangler, um, you have a couple options in a TJ and LJ platform, the, the, the aftermarket backing is basically, you can do a short arm lift or a long arm lift. So with a short arm lift, you're basically, you can use extendable, extended or uh, uh, adjustable um, control arms, but you're limited how far you can push it forward or backwards based on um, the fact that you could run into um, the fenders or the frame or things like that. Uh, so instead of moving the axles forward with a long arm, you actually just move the control arm mounts further back and that gives you some long travel and that's going to add articulation it's going to keep the springs from binding as you're doing articulation off-road so it gives you a better off-road suspension 
Um, uh, the only disadvantages are the arms are usually the typically now your lowest point when you're off-roading. But it's a huge advantage for rock crawling as far as getting being able to to get flex. And uh, if you know anything about jeeps, then flex is flex is king as far as rock crawling goes. So did the long arm kit that uh, comes with their springs comes with uh extended brake lines it comes with um you can add their shocks or you can run another brand shocks if you want i went with their aluminum body shocks they were a brand new shock that was just out on the market um their sway bar disconnects um basically the works had to do some welding it took me a couple weeks to get that all in and then um Went with JCR and did a JCR off-road front and rear bumper. Um, took my worn winch off my Cherokee before I sold it. Put my worn winch back on um, the LJ. First thing I always do with Wranglers is upgrade the headlights. And I like rigid headlights. So I went with uh, rigid headlights in the front. Did some uh, rigid fogs in the bumpers. Did the ambient fog so I can actually use them as fog lights um, did the same thing in the rear bumpers and and the fog lights in the rear bumper are used as uh, backup lights but the ambience actually have a, a when they're when they are given one source of power glow like a like a square light that goes around the outside that glows when you want it to come on so the front ones i did in ambers to use as marker lights and the rear ones i wired to my brake lights to use them as like a basically a third brake light in the bumper but you can still you know, light them up as like uh, your typical LED Cree um, spotlights. So uh, those work really well. Uh, did, uh, let's see, before the trip, um, I did the bumpers, did a tire carrier so I'd have a spare tire. Um, I, you know, just changed the fluids. I re-geared, went with nitro gears, did some... Uh, I think I re-geared re to 48s. I put a rear locker in it because the uh, mine wasn't a Rubicon, so it didn't have any lockers. So I uh, put a rear locker in it. I trust the front and gusseted it. So basically, you just welded in some metal to strengthen the front Dana 30. Uh, went with some uh, Method wheels and 35-inch Falcon MTs. And um, that was just about it. Um no other really upgrades. Oh, I did a Super Chips um, programmer, which doesn't do a whole lot in the TJLJ platform. Uh, it gives you a couple different tunes like Gas Saver or Performance. One thing it does let you do is read your codes and clear codes, which I find really handy to have. It's always in the Jeep. But um, that's basically all I did to it. And um, it kind of came down to the wire. I got everything done... Uh, I finished the alignment for the Jeep about three days before the trip. And one of the issues I had was I had to run some new brake lines um, and run a new brake line over the rear axle. Uh, when we when you weld in the cradle for the rear uh, control arms, um, I think one of the lines got pinched or cut or something. So I replaced those. And when I was bleeding the brakes literally the night before the trip um the bleeder broke on one of the calipers so i ran out bought a brand new caliper and um and replaced both the calipers because you do you should do them in pairs and i think i threw new pads in it or something and then was literally bleeding it till like midnight packed everything up my sister and brother-in-law were like hey can we 
you know, maybe throw some luggage in your Jeep. So I had my sister and my brother-in-law's luggage because they were going to be flying from Georgia as well. I had me, my own luggage, uh, my wife's, my daughter's, and uh, I think like one of her pack and plays. And then I had tools. I had coolers with food. Um, and basically I figured it'd take me three days. So I left on a Thursday and then they were flying in on Sunday. And I thought, okay, I'll definitely get there before you guys. Probably a day. I'll probably get in Saturday uh, night and have all Sunday to, to enjoy. Uh, our hotel was booked to check in Sunday afternoon. And we we're going to be there for uh, eight days. And really was looking forward to it. So um, cranked up the Jeep. And this is where all the fun begins. <laughs> I mean, all the fun. So I crank up the Jeep. I mean, it's clean as a whistle. I like to get my Jeeps clean and prepared before a trip. I've got um, extra oil. I've got all kind of stuff. I mean, I can barely see out the back of this Jeep. It's loaded down. It's packed down. And uh, and off we go. So I got to about Chattanooga. I started noticing I was running about 230, 240 degrees Uh and uh, if you've ever driven through Chattanooga, there's a section where you go through some mountains. And I thought, well, you know, I'm kind of at a little bit of elevation. I'm kind of straining the Jeep because I have so much weight from the luggage, all the stuff that I've brought. And I've also, uh, I'm climbing quite a bit. You got to climb up this big hill. And one thing I did, you know, I put the JCR bumper on the front. It's a half sunk bumper. So your winch sits like halfway below. It has like, it kind of drops down the winch does. And, um... And so uh, it kind of blocks the grill a little bit. And I had also went with like um, some grill inserts because it had a chrome grill when I when I bought it. And I took the chrome grill off and because the chrome grill had been there for like the life of the Jeep, it had some a few scratches right where the inserts were. So I'm like, well, I can just put some black inserts in and they don't block that much air. So, um, I got, I got to the top of the mountain, like on Lookout Mountain in Chattanooga. And I was like, you know what? Let me check the coolant. I let it cool down. I checked the coolant and uh, everything was fine. And so I just took the grill inserts out and, it, uh, you know, no big deal. It kind of slowed me down a little bit, gassed it up, went to the bathroom, stretched my legs. It's only like a two and a half hour drive at this point. And I'm like, I'm fine. So I start hammering down the road. And I do notice that the Jeep runs better at about 65 um, on the highway. Um, just due to gearing and, and when, and if you're in any kind of mountains, if it's flatland, you can go a lot faster, but there's a lot of elevation changes as you're headed up through there, but really didn't have any issues. Um, and, and was doing good. Um, hit a little traffic in Nashville, no problems there. And, uh, was headed in towards St. Louis and then get a little sip of coffee. So I was headed into St. Louis, somewhere in Missouri, and hit a big bump in the road. And I started noticing something after that. I started noticing that, one, my exhaust was really loud. Uh, it, it sounded like it was banging all around. When I did the lift kit, I went with a MagnaFlow exhaust because of the way the four-link works in the rear. There's not really that much room to pipe the exhaust, so I went with MagnaFlow's off-road exhaust kit which actually dumps pre-axle so it, it turns down right before the rear axle and so it's out of the way and I just fabricated a, a hanger for it I thought maybe it came off the hanger something like that I hear it bouncing around 
But I've also noticed in just any little bump in the road, the Jeep is just like there's no rear shocks. So it's just, I'm starting to get hungry. Like I say, I'm in Missouri. I'm just a little past St. Louis. I'm like, you know what? I'll stop and I'll check it out. So I, I, I pop in a Wendy's, got a chicken sandwich, gassed it up, um, hop underneath, see that the exhaust uh, actually broke the hanger. Um, so I actually had brought some bailing wire with me. I just twisted it up, got it kind of held up in place. I figured, you know, I'll fix it tomorrow in the daylight. At this point, it's starting to get dark outside. And then I happened to notice there was oil everywhere on the rear differential and on the backside of the Jeep. And uh, that's when I realized my rear shocks were blown. My brand new, all aluminum body, rock crawler. They're 3.1s, I think is what they called them. I mean, they're brand new at the time. Um, I still don't even see them that, that often or that much on, on Jeeps now. They're just kind of new to the market. They're not the silver bodied ones. They're all black, like anodized black. And so I kind of freak out. I know um, a couple people at Rock Crawler, so I reached out to him real quick. And uh, one of them got back to me quickly, uh, Adam there. And he said, which way did you uh, orient, orientate or, or how, which way did you bolt in the shocks? Because there's a Schrader valve on top of them if you want to um, add or take away any nitrogen. Or if you want to run like a, a bypass for them. Um or res, excuse me, reservoir, uh, and if you put them the wrong direction, we think they might would possibly bottom out on the body of the Jeep, and that could have broke. So I check, and both Schrader valves are blown. All the oil, all the nitrogen, everything has escaped from the from the shocks, and basically I'm riding with nothing inside the shocks. There's nothing to slow down the rebound of the back of the Jeep. So. Um, I talked to him and said, what, what can I do? He said, well, you know, if I got you in the new Schrader valves, if I shipped them to you, you could put some oil from a forklift. Uh, that's the kind of the fluid they use. Uh, and you, you can put that oil in and then you'll need to get them charged with nitrogen to the right PSI. I said, okay, probably won't be able to get that done on the road. Um, but I'm in Missouri. I'm headed there. Uh, you know what, I'll just figure it out and then I'll get back to you when I get back, which I did. And they were able to help me out and we got everything worked out. But I start driving, I'm a little frustrated, um, I, but I got to put some miles down. So I'm cruising down the road. Uh, I, I was hoping to get to um, Iowa. That was my goal. And I'm just driving, driving, driving. And I'm starting to notice not only is it bouncing, but I'm starting to get some misfires, some random misfires. And I'm also starting to notice that the transmission feels like it's slipping. And I started to get a little worried. I threw a code, random misfire. I uh, didn't throw anything for the trans, but it just starts to feel like maybe the trans is slipping occasionally. Um, again, just kind of bouncing down the road, not really riding all that that comfortably. Um, I start setting my sights on where I'm going to stay at. I figure a hotel in Missouri would be the best bet at this point. I'm not going to make it to Iowa. And, uh, like I say, I'm just cruising down the road and I'm like, you know, what am I going to do? So, uh, I found out there's a town called St. Roberts. It's maybe an hour away and I gas up. I'm in the last stretch of the drive. And, um, so I'm cruising to St. Roberts and, uh, it's almost like the Jeep goes into limp mode. It's almost like 
I'm driving and I just hit a wall. It's like, pop, 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 boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, I've either blown the motor, blown the trans, but it's in some sort of limp mode. It's only going 45 miles an hour. It's raining like cats and dogs outside. I'm able to just cruise in this limp mode and finally get to this hotel in St. Roberts, Missouri. So to recap, overheated, some kind of misfire. It feels like the trans is slipping or blown. Uh, and the rear shocks are blown and my exhaust is hanging on by bailing wire. So I check in the hotel, my wife paid for it online and I'm able to, they actually just had keys ready for me when I get in. I didn't even talk to anybody. So I get in, I'm exhausted. I just film a little bit for my YouTube video, go to sleep, wake up early, wake up early. I'm like, all right, I'm this town. It's a pretty populated town. It's a pretty busy town of St. Roberts, Missouri. I'm going to find a parts store and see if I can find some rear shocks. I'm going to see, um, you know, if, if all my fluids are looking good, uh, I'm going to see how it runs that crank it up, runs just fine. No issues. I think, okay, cool. Like maybe there's no big deal. Um, I'm not too worried. Uh, maybe, maybe I got some bad gas. I'd stopped at some random gas station in the middle of a cornfield, middle of nowhere, Missouri, you know, maybe I got some bad gas. I'll just throw some Lucas or some seafoam in or something and away we go. Right. So I, I pull out onto the road. I'm, I'm hungry. I'm ready for breakfast. And I realize I'm on Route 66. I'm like, this is awesome. Historic Route 66 is fantastic. So I go to buy breakfast and, and I order. And then I reach to my pocket and I'm like, it's that dreaded feeling of like, uh, uh, where's my wallet? You know, and, and I'm searching for my wallet and I couldn't find it. I get to the window. And uh, thankfully, I had my backpack sitting right there. And, and before I left on the trip, um, I'd saved some cash as well as we'd had some money in our bank account. And I had like, 500 bucks cash. And I was like, gave my wife 200. I was like, I'll take three just, you know, stuff it in my book bag. Um, just, you know, just as emergency money. So uh, I paid her with a hundred dollar bill, got my change back, uh, pulled in Walmart and I searched high and low in my Jeep through all my luggage, through everything. And I could not find my wallet. So I'm in Missouri, um, like 18 hours away from rapid city uh, South Dakota. And I've got like 296 bucks or something like that. Now, one thing I did do, uh, I don't know if you have Kroger's near you, but Kroger grocery store, uh, sometimes will do like four times the fuel points if you buy gift cards. So I bought some BP gas gift cards and some subway gift cards. And I'd put those in my book bag as well. And basically, um, if you stop at a Kroger gas station, um, you get 40 cents off basically, um, for every hundred dollars you spend. Now, typically for every hundred dollars you spend, you get 10 cents off, but since it's four times. So, uh, I'd bought a couple hundred, I had like 80 cents off a gallon and, uh, I've got my first tank, 80 cents off a gallon, filled it all the way up. And I was like, man, save some money. I'll just use these BP gift cards and the subway gift cards along the way. I like to eat at subway. It's, you know, not, it's definitely not fresh, but it's healthier than, than McDonald's or something like that. So I'm like, whatever, no big deal. I'll be able to make it. I call my wife. She cancels all of our cards. I figure when I was fixing my exhaust uh, or something during the night working on the Jeep, maybe it fell in my pocket. Wasn't too concerned. I figured out the gas and I'm like, I got plenty of money to get there and gas. So um, I just won't stay in a hotel room tonight. I'll just, just, uh, just get there. So, uh, I ran around a few parts stores and talked to some guys. And I'll tell you this, if you've ever been to a parts store like AutoZone 
or O'Reilly's or something, it's hard to get the part you want. I don't know why. You tell them, like, I have a 2008 Jeep Wrangler with this motor and this, 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 and they can't figure out what wiper blades or shocks you need for any reason. If you work in one of those stores and you're a great employee, I'm sorry this doesn't apply to you, but it seems to happen almost every time I go. Now, what's even harder is if you walk in one of those stores and you're trying to find shocks for another vehicle that's not yours. So one thing I knew from randomly in my brain was that JK Wrangler shocks are um, basically they're, they're longer than the TJ and the uh, Cherokee and LJ shocks, and, but it's the same mounts in the rear. So uh, it's the same style mounts. It uses two bolts that goes through a bar in the top and it uses an eyelet in the bottom. So I knew it would work. Um, and I knew that a lot of guys would take JK Rubicon springs and shocks and put them on TJs and they would net like a three inch lift. So I had a three and a half inch lift. I figured it'll be close, but I, I you know, it's pretty loaded down. I got the spare tire in the back, I got all this luggage in the back, I got cooler food, all this stuff, beer, brought all kinds of stuff, um, tools, uh, fluid. So maybe it's enough that I can fit these shocks on. So I go in, I'm, I'm certain I'm, all I'm asking people for is, um, do you have 2014 Jeep Wrangler Rubicon rear shocks? Uh, what kind of vehicles are going on? Uh, well, it's going to go on 2005 Wrangler. Well, it won't fit. Okay. I don't care. Um, let's just say it's going on in 2012. Like it's going on 2014. It's going on the one I'm telling you. Finally, um, the internet doesn't work in that town apparently because they thought everyone told me, Oh, I'll have to order parts for you. I'll have to order. And then I'd get on their website and be like, well, it's, you know, it's at your warehouse. Why is it three days away? Or is there a store nearby that has it? And they'd be like, well, I can't check that. I'm like, well, I can on the internet. Do you guys have the internet here? Sorry, St. Roberts, Missouri, but I dealt with some not so intelligent people. Finally got a set of, uh, of, I want to say they're Monroe, but maybe they were Gabriel. Uh, I think they're Monroe, like mono static <laughs> gas shocks, just white box, white shocks, but, uh, they fit. So, uh, and then I went to Lowe's and I bought some conduit straps and I just, uh, used conduit straps and, um, some self tappers. And I was able to snug up my, um, my exhaust, uh, just by basically taking the conduit strap and running it straight into the floor of the Jeep on the hanger for, for the, for the exhaust. I know that's not the, the proper way and it has been fixed since then, but, uh, it worked, it worked the whole trip and did good after that. But then, uh, and then I'm just in some parking lot, like of a Walmart or something doing that. Thankfully I brought an impact with me and I was able to do that. And then, uh, I, I threw the rear shocks on and they fit. It just took a little bit of time. I had some basic hand tools. I didn't have a, I had a high lift jack with me, I think. No, I didn't even have a high lift. I had like a, I had a, uh, like a bottle jack or something, or maybe a scissor jack, something, something, I don't know, it was pitiful, but I was able to use it and get everything on. And, uh, so everything worked in that regards. Um, so loaded everything back up again. I had to use my cash to buy those things too. Um, I think I think my wife bought the shocks online and then I was able to pick them up. So I told the guy, I want these shocks. My wife's going to pay for them online. And so that's what we did. So she did that. And then 
she bought me lunch at Chick-fil-A and then I just went and picked it up. We were doing everything we could to save money because I didn't have a card with me. Uh, most places now take Google pay, but for some reason it was just sort of new at that time. Um, that and Samsung pay or Apple pay. I don't, I have a Samsung phone. So, uh, for some reason that was just not working in that town. So anyways, now I've got like 280 bucks, 250 bucks, something like that. I'm headed down the road. All right. So I started driving probably at about four or five o'clock in the afternoon. By the time I'd located parts and got things installed and I'm like, now it's uh, Saturday evening and I'm just like, as many miles as I can get going. So I started off in the first couple hours. It drove fantastic. Didn't have any issues. Now it's really smooth in the back. Those shocks actually really rode well. Um, almost didn't want to change them when I got back, but, uh, I knew that they weren't giving me the proper travel on the rear, but they really rode uh, great on the road and, uh, exhaust was now doing good and, and not really having any issues. Um, as I got later into the night, uh, I started having issues with the Jeep where, uh, it went into limp mode and it was doing that banging again. And I, I, it wasn't getting any codes other than like a cylinder one misfire and a, and a, on a multi-cylinder misfire and I had brand new spark plugs in it. Um, the way the setup on, on those, on this Wrangler is that there's a coil across the top and, um, it's just, it's, it's one coil that runs down into all six plugs. Uh, you can change that out, but, uh, to something that you can, you can run a different coil setup, but, um, that's what the factory has. So I thought maybe it was a coil. I wasn't getting any other issues, but it kept running into limp, limp mode. Um, I did notice that uh, it was it was it would run hot at sometimes, and that's when I'd have the most issues. So um, I just took it easy on the throttle. I started getting into some flat lands. Uh, you know, got into Iowa, and and everything was real flat. And it was starting to get later in the night, and it was getting cooler. And I was able to start putting some miles down. And I was really getting into my stride um, as I was getting just right to the Iowa Nebraska border when. Uh, I noticed the guy in front of me swerve, just really a weird swerve, like for no reason. And, uh, and so I slowed down and, and really it's just like, there's, it's him in front of me and a semi behind me. And it's the only people I've seen for hours now at, at like 10 30 or 11 at night, um, in Iowa and there's cornfields everywhere. And, uh, when I get to where he swerved, I realized there was a car, it turned sideways in the, in the, in the fast lane. It's a two lane highway with no lights on. I didn't see any people. I could see some people standing on the side of the road, but, um, for some reason it, it was completely shut down, turned sideways in, in the side of the road. And then there was another vehicle on the right side of the road, uh, pulled over, but neither had their hazards on, neither had headlights on. I don't know why or what was going on. So I throw on my hazards real quick. I lay on the horn and I look back just in time to see the semi behind me just crush the car in the fast lane. Now, I don't think there was anyone in that car and I don't want to speculate whether there was or not. I think everyone was on the side of the road. But after he hit the car, there's literally parts and pieces flying everywhere like from a Transformers movie. And he goes through the median, goes over the other side of the highway. Thankfully, nobody was coming through that time and drives out into the middle of a cornfield and as he goes off the highway, there, you know, there's a little bit of a ditch on his side. He flips onto his side, and he just goes sliding through the field. 
And uh, I just pulled over immediately, said a little prayer, and, and I called 911. And I started talking to the responder, and he said there was already police on the way. And I said, well, please send you know, an ambulance because he's on the other side of the highway. I was able to tell him what mile marker I was, and I was I was jumping on the vehicle to run out to check on him when a cop and ambulance actually got to where he was um, before I did. And I was going back to speak to the police officer, and then I realized I didn't have my wallet with my license or ID so I kind of just watched for a minute and, uh, and then I got back in my, my Jeep and I was just kind of shaken up for about two hours. I was just amped up, just adrenaline pumping. I, I was praying. I was thinking about those people. I was hoping the truck driver was okay. You know, I didn't have any closure on the situation. I was happy. I was able to call the police. Um, but, uh, but, but I saw an ambulance and a police officer get to, to him and, and you know, the first responders were there. So, um, I don't know what all I could have done at that point, but I definitely didn't want to get in trouble for driving without a license. So, um, even though I have a valid driver's license, I just didn't have my wallet with me. So when that finally wore off, I was into Nebraska now and, uh, just exhausted. I want to say I was in Nebraska. Maybe I was in Kansas. Uh, I think Nebraska. I think I was in Nebraska. So I'm just exhausted. So I pull over on the side of the road and I just sleep in my Jeep. Slept for like five and a half, six hours. I did some research while I was laying there. It was actually kind of chilly and I just threw a jacket over me and there was like two other people in the parking area and I could tell that they were sleeping. <laughs> they were sleeping when I pulled in and they didn't even seem to acknowledge me. So I was like, ah, I'll get a couple hours sleep. And uh, so anyways, I... um. Did some research and and I realized that on the LJs that they don't have factory trans coolers. So what I did was I uh, realized that maybe when I was running hot those couple of times that maybe the transmission fluid got really hot. Maybe the transmission fluid got burnt and maybe that was causing the trans to slip and maybe that's what I was feeling because the feeling wasn't like a typical misfire that if you've ever had one of those, it wasn't stuttering or it was more of like a, just a, like a boom, every, it's almost like your heart just stopped for a blip of a second, and it only did it maybe every 10, 15 minutes, and, and then it slowed down for a second, and then it, RPMs wouldn't even drop, it just boom, and send a jolt through the vehicle, um, as it got worse later in the trip, it'd be like boom, 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 but then it, even the RPM wouldn't seem to want to drop, it, like, almost like a stutter throughout the entire vehicle, and then looking back now, even describing it, it sounds like a ground or an electrical issue. Um, but I, I thought possibly it was, it was the trans because uh, I'd stopped getting misfire codes. So the next day I woke up, drove to Walmart, bought transmission fluid, bought some cheap, cheap, cheap clothes, like, like $10 for a matching sweatpants and, 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 and sweatshirt I would never wear by. I bought a $2 hat. I bought an oil catch and I changed the transmission fluid in a Walmart parking lot, uh, in Nebraska. Um, and, uh, I believe it was Nebraska. Maybe I was still in Ohio, Iowa, but either way, I was right, kind of right out on the border and I was able to find a BP that morning. I got breakfast with my BP cards. I gassed up, but I was really getting low on cash and, um, I just, you know, started driving, finally got into South Dakota. Um, and, uh, I've been to South Dakota now. It's flat. Uh, the weather's nice. And uh, the Jeep's running was running well. It wasn't overheating. There was no issues. 
but I'm just burning fuel. It's a lot, a lot. It's flat and it's long. You know, it's it's hours of driving of just flat lands. You start getting in the badlands, and long story short, an hour away from Rapid City, I got to where I was down to no gas, and I had like ten dollars. Um, I'd eaten breakfast, but that's all I'd eaten that day. And this, now it's a little after lunch. And I thought, well, I'll put 10 bucks in and we'll see what it does. But I definitely can't get to Rapid City uh, on that. And I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. Uh, well, actually, I wasn't thirsty. I had some drinks in the vehicle. But uh, I think I'd eaten all the snacks I could possibly eat <laughs> at that point. I had like, I brought some beef jerky, I think, and some Pringles or something. But it was gone. And, and I'm exhausted. I'd only slept like four, maybe three or four hours the night before in that rest area. And I'm just like, I'm just burnt. So, uh, stop at the first gas station, uh, put gas in. It barely does anything to the tank. I think the prices out there were like three and some change at the time on gas. So it didn't give me much at all. Uh, the exits now are like 28 miles between them. Again, I'm like hour. Then I get like 45 minutes out. My wife calls me, Hey, we just landed. Uh, Sunday, they, I thought I'd beat them in. They beat me in. Now they're going to the hotel room. Do you need, my brother-in-law had rented a car for the weekend, uh, for the week. And, uh, he was going to come pick me up if I ran out of gas. And, uh, finally I started thinking about Google pay. I started thinking about maybe one of these gas stations has it, but the technology has not hit in the middle of South Dakota at, at the gas stations yet. It was just old mom and pop shops. Finally, make it to this gas station. I see a younger girl working behind the counter in this like Texaco. And thankfully she knew how to work the NFC or NF, whatever it is, the, 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 the card thing with Google pay on their, on their card scanner. So I was able, uh, all she was able to do was $20. So I was put, able to put 20 bucks in the gas tank, um, or maybe it was like 30 bucks, but I bought like food or something there. I don't know. But I got like 20 bucks in gas. Uh, and I, I make it into Rapid City. So it sounds like, you know, not too bad. It was actually a 48 hour drive. It was supposed to be 36 hours. So 48 hours. Um, I've, I've only slept in a bed for about six of those hours. One shower in that amount of time. Uh, no real good meals to speak of. And, uh, but I get in and the Jeep's running actually was running fantastic when I pull in. Um, I saw that there's Amco across the street. So maybe they'd look at the transmission. Uh, me and my wife, I get in, she's, uh, you know, she'd got me a new debit card. Um, she couldn't get me a new license. Actually she did. She did. Actually, I apologize. She actually got me a, a new license, uh, before she got there. Um, so I had a license and I had a debit card and, uh, we went to dinner, uh, ate some pizza. It was great. Got a good night's sleep. Um, and woke up the next day and had a nice day, kind of evaluated the Jeep. Um, we didn't do too much. I was pretty exhausted. Um, and then the next day I was that day, I was kind of starting to feel bad. And then that night I woke up, woke up in the middle of the night, probably about one in the morning and I was running a 101 degree fever. And uh, my heart rate was like 140, uh, 145 or something like that. And, uh, I happened to have 
like a little mobile blood pressure cuff that I bring with me sometimes on trips that I have at my house. Check my blood pressure. My blood pressure was high for me. It was like 160. I'm typically like 120, 130 over 80 something. It was like 160 over 100. I'm like, oh no. Um, I called our insurance has like a nurse's line. I called the nurse's line. I said, hey, what's going on? Um, this is all the symptoms I'm having. She said, you need to go to the ER. So I drove to the ER in Rapid City, and they said, oh, it's just a stomach bug. Um, you should be fine. Well, I got home. I did some did some work in the bathroom, did some throwing up, did some other stuff, and basically laid in bed for the next two to three days with just a terrible, terrible stomach bug. So I'm just going to recap to this point. Um, lost my wallet, blew my brand new shocks, think my transmission may be uh, blown or having issues. Um, I hurt, messed up my exhaust. Um, almost ran out of gas, you know, blew through all my cash, slept in vehicles, changed my transmission fluid on the side of the road, uh, been wrenched on the side of the road. And now I'm sick in South Dakota. I spent half my trip in the hotel room. Um, and I just feel terrible spent a night in the ER wondering how much it's going to cost me. Just <laughs> chaos. Um, day four, I just decide I'm done with it. I don't care if I throw up, if I get sick or whatever. Um, I'm going to Mount Rushmore. So I pack up the Jeep and take the family to Mount Rushmore. Along the way, there's this place called Bear Country. You can drive through and uh, there's bears in there and it's awesome. And we saw the bears, but the whole time we're riding through Bear Country, it's misfiring like crazy. And I kind of got excited because... It threw a, a, a code for misfire on cylinder one and cylinder four, and uh, it threw a map sensor code, and I was pumped. I'm like, now we know what the problem is. Now I can fix it. Um, didn't do any testing or whatever. Went to Mount Rushmore. We got home that night. The next morning, I get up early before the family gets up. I buy a map sensor. I bought spark plugs. I bought a brand new coil. By the way, Rapid City, South Dakota, I'm so sorry, um, but they have a a problem with getting parts because, um, basically they're like three hours in each direction from a major city. So it typically takes two, three days for parts to get in. And a 2005 Wrangler, um, is not the most popular vehicle on the planet. And one of the issues too, is that ignition setup for those Jeeps is, particularly different um it doesn't really share anything in common with the 01 cherokee which was last year the cherokee and uh but it does share things in common with the but basically um there really isn't it changed in 04 and it's different from 04 to 06 on that jeep so they the parts are weird and you're in a town that's a big, big, big town, a big hub, but um, for them to order parts, typically three days. So I got the coil, and I got the map sensor. I was happy about that. I had to go to a couple of different places, um, got the spark plugs, and with my hand tools, I was able to, to change them all, and it just was riding. It was driving fantastic. The next day, I went with my brother-in-law, his dad, and his brother. We went and rode side-by-sides in the Black Hills. An amazing experience. It snowed that day. We rode four hours. We get to this place and they say, here's the keys. 
the price was crazy cheap. It was like, it was like a hundred a person or something to get this. Um, they were uh, Polaris razors. And she said, here's a GPS and be back in four hours with the tank filled up. There's a gas station across the street. Um, don't worry about them being dirty. Just have fun. We ripped and ran through trails that are just beautiful scenery. Saw all kind of different deer, mule deer, white-tailed deer, uh, just rode property for hours and just had a ball. Literally the highlight of the trip for me. And uh, things are starting to look up. I was still feeling pretty queasy. Uh, I wasn't eating that much, but I was starting to have a good time on this trip. Um, so I thought, you know, the next day I'd been given some coordinates and I was told this is an amazing place to go off-roading. Um, a local guy in a Jeep club local here um, gave me the coordinates. And um, so I, I took the wife, took my daughter, and we went to Deadwood, South Dakota. And checked out Deadwood. Uh, if you've ever watched the TV show Deadwood, <laughs> then that's where they filmed it. Um, it's a really cool old town. They were known for having brothels and saloons and... Uh, um, just all kind of crazy stuff happened there. There's all kind of cool stories. It's a big place during the biker rallies, but it was a pretty slow town that day. Um, we ate lunch and then we went and started riding the um, trails. So I get out on the trails. It was actually driving really, really well. Uh, GPS guy, was working really well and, uh, we're cruising through and, uh, we did a big hill climb and it overheats. I'm like, all right, no big deal. We'll let it cool down. We're pretty high elevation at this point. Uh, uh, over 6,000. I want to say we're like 8,000 or something like that. I don't know. So it's overheating. I'm like, that's fine. We'll let it cool down. And after that, it just started like not misfiring, but doing that whole like boom, boom, boom thing goes into limp mode. Um, and it throws a code for the cam sensor, the crank sensor, the idle air control valve, and it goes in limp mode. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know what the deal is. Um, but Basically, my daughter's screaming and crying. Of course, she's eight months old. My wife's tired. We're out in, on this trail. It's starting to get later in the day. And I've never seen a trail system like it in my life. It was one of the most amazing places I'd ever seen. It was basically like a dry creek bed. And what they'd done is they'd run a gravel road. It looked like it went maybe 10, 12 miles. And this like dry creek bed like ran like a snake back and forth over the gravel road. So if you broke down at a section of this dry creek bed, someone could come to you in like a flatbed, like in a rollback and pick you up. Like like they can make it all the way to you on that gravel road. Um, and so we were riding the gravel road, but the whole time I just wanted to get off into that dry creek bed, which was part of the trail. And there's just huge boulders. And I got off on one section and rode it and did some flexing and climbing over some rocks, but I just started worrying about, is it going to break down? My family's out here. I don't know anybody in this area. I was pretty confident in my village to recover if I got stuck, but I wasn't confident in the mechanics of the vehicle. And it's really kind of out there as far as like, it's not that close to civilization. And there was a couple people riding the trails that day, which gave me a little confidence. I could flag someone down. We had cell service. So that gave me some confidence, but, uh, I said, we got to get off this trail, but it was my, my whole reason for driving the Jeep out there was to ride that trail. And, um, I, I'm going to have to go back. 
you know, it's kind of emotional because it's, it was a dream trip and, uh, and it was just, um, you know, it was just, that was why I went with the Jeep and struggled through all that was to ride that trail and it was beautiful and I got to see it and I got to do a little bit of it, but, uh, it'd be like going to the Rubicon and, uh, and flexing on a rock in the parking lot and then packing up and going home. I mean, we rode maybe like three or four miles. It was all easy green trails, but didn't get to really like experience it. So we finally get off the trail. Um, I found a car wash, uh, I spray the vehicle down and, uh, just disconnect the battery. My daughter got to sleep. And we just kind of sat there. I watched some videos and I read about this thing called the, uh, Opid and basically it controls the timing for the Jeep. It, it reads what it's, he basically reads, um, what it's getting back from the timing chain. And from what I read, if there's slack in the timing chain, it can throw off the entire timing of the vehicle. And I thought, well, maybe I got some slack in the timing chain. It's got a hundred and something, 80 something thousand miles. I think I got 188 or 190 at this point on the, on the Jeep. So, uh, I'm like, you know, maybe, maybe that's the, maybe that's it. Maybe that's my problem. Well, I can't change the timing chain while I'm out here, but I can change this OPID thing, which actually has a, a small gear that runs down to the camshaft and, uh, it gets its reading from that as well as using the crank sensor, the cam sensor and the timing chain. So what I could change is the cam sensor and the crank sensor. And I did some research, realized you want to go OEM on those parts and, um, you could really mess up the timing by putting it in the incorrect way. Um, you you have to notch things. You have to mark it. You have to know exactly. You got to put it back in the way it was before, or you're going to, you're going to have some serious issues. So I, I plugged the battery back up. I was able to limp in limp mode back to our hotel, call a Jeep dealership in the area. He's able to order it. It's not going to be in until the day we're supposed to leave. But uh, he can get it. So he gets me the cam sensor, crank sensor, idle air control valve, and um, the the OPID. Uh, it's called an o OPID uh, OPID. And uh, it basically, if you remember how like distributor timing used to work, it looks like a distributor, but but that's it's sort of what that does, but it but it's not a distributor system. So, um, it's just kind of old technology that Jeep threw in the system. It's stupid. It's stupid. So I ordered these parts. Um, basically the rest of my time in South Dakota, it would go into limp mode. Um, uh, and then I would have to disconnect the battery for a little while and then you could drive it for a little while and then go into limp mode. But we were able to have a good time. We drove out to the Badlands, um, and went on a trail that was um, set up. It was BLM land that a lot of people boondock on. We were able to get up on the upper rim of the Badlands and just see a beautiful, beautiful view. Get some cool pictures. Check out Wall Drugstore. The Jeep broke down there. Uh, it was broke down for an hour until I could reset the battery uh, and the ECM. And then get a limp mode and then drove us home. But uh, ultimately, we had a good, good adventure. And that's why I say it was one the worst, greatest trip of my life. I went to this amazing place. I got to do some amazing things to see the Badlands, to, to, um, the travel the country roadkill style. <laughs> like, like if you ever watched the show roadkill, it was just, just like that. Um, to experience the culture in that area. We did some, some cool shopping while we were there. 
Um, although we spent a ton of money on, on parts. Um, in total, I put fuel cleaner in, I cleaned the throttle body, changed the transmission fluid, changed the front and rear differential fluid, changed all the spark plugs, the ignition coil, the crank sensor, the cam sensor, the idle air control valve, the map sensor, the throttle position sensor, the OPID, um, changed the oil on the G. Hey guys, um, sorry. So I had to break this up in two different segments and I didn't realize it. So I've talked for like an hour and a half and then I realized there was 30 minutes of talking that I didn't actually get recorded. So one thing I'm going to do is just go ahead and, uh, finish the story. I was talking about all the different parts that I had to put on the Jeep, but, uh, but I won't do it over a course of 30 minutes. I can, I can summarize it a little bit faster. Uh, I actually didn't mean to go this long, but, but I wanted to tell a full story and I'm going to have to really, really summarize it to, to make it into a magazine article. But, um, anyway, so, um, long story short, the parts show up and I put my wife on a flight and, uh, she had no idea whether the Jeep was going to be running or not. Uh, when she landed, um, when she landed, she called me and said, did you do it? And yeah, so I had put the OPID on, uh, I had put all the new sensors on and it was riding amazing. And it rode amazingly for 40 miles. Um, after that I was in and out of limp mode pretty much the entire afternoon and night. I would go short distance, um, taking like service roads beside the highway and limp mode. Then it was shut down. Then I'd reset it and then I could go normal speed. Um, at one point I stopped for dinner and reset everything and it drove two hours just like perfectly on the highway. Um, uh, and then I made it to Sioux city, um, Iowa where, uh, after going to like three different hotels, finally found a room. It's literally the worst hotel I've ever stayed at in my entire life. Um, but it was the only one available. And, uh, the next day I woke up and I just said I was done. Uh, I called my wife and she rented a U-Haul for me and I got a U-Haul and a trailer <laughs> and I put the, put the Jeep on the trailer and, uh, uh, got some straps at a local hardware store and strapped the thing down and, uh, and I drove home. Um, uh, I drove, uh, all that day, made it to Kentucky, slept in, I brought my hammock with me. I slept, put my hammock up in the back of the box of the U-Haul truck, uh, and slept there overnight in a, in a, uh, rest area and then got home the next day, just exhausted financially, um, spent way more money than I had, uh, and, and, and had to go in some debt for that trip. Um, and, uh, I learned a lot of lessons. Um, if you're going to, Go cross country, you really need to know your vehicle. Uh, you should probably pick a newer vehicle, uh, but you really need to know your vehicle. You need to plan ahead. You need to have an exit strategy. You need to have parts. You need to have, um, you need to take the time to, um, to really think things out. And I didn't do that. I, I, I modified the Jeep, but I didn't. I didn't know the Jeep that well. And I really got to know the Jeep during that time. And I don't know if I could ever sell that Jeep. And I, I don't know if I would change anything. I, I was honestly blessed to get home safely, but, um, 
and, and it was a lot on my body physically and in my mind and it was stressful, but I saw some amazing places. Um, I didn't quite get to do what I set out to do, but I did something. I spent a lot of time by myself working through issues and it, and I really feel like I grew a lot. Um, I was patient. I was, my attitude, um, was really good somehow. And it was just really like a spiritual journey. <laughs> I know it's weird to say, but, um, it was just, it was a struggle and I made it through and, and the adventure was incredible. It was incredibly bad, but at the same time, like it was an amazing memory to make. And, um, I just learned so much and did so much and, and it was hard. I mean, the, if you think about it, like I literally changed almost every sensor on the vehicle. I was in the emergency room. I had to change my shocks. I changed fluids. I put so many hours into that vehicle to just eventually have to tow it home. And when it was all said and done, I, um, it ended up being the harness, the, 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 the harness for the Jeep. And I had to end up replacing the entire wiring harness, the ECM and the timing chain and the throttle body, fix everything and get it and get it relearned by the uh, dealership. And it took me like three months and a lot, a lot of hours to get it to where it's at today, but it's a reliable, great driving, awesome, knock on wood Jeep at this point. And, um, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh, there's some days that I wish I owned a brand new Jeep and, uh, maybe I will, uh, in the short term, but if you've listened this far, I really, really, really appreciate it. This was a crazy experience for me. It was kind of hard to talk about and, uh, I hope I'm able to summarize it well enough to make it into a magazine article, but I, I want to ask you a favor. Um, I am, I am heading into a new adventure in my life. Uh, of course, a lot of you know that I own Blackberry Off-Road, but I'm working to go full time with Blackberry Off-Road. I'm working to sign a lease this week for a new shop space and um i'm really really worried about it uh, i have a lot of fears the coronavirus is going on the economy's up and down and i don't know how i'm going to i don't know how i'm going to take being a owning a landscape company and doing that full-time and also be able to run the shop full-time because i can't hire and can't afford employees so i'm gonna have to do i'm gonna have to juggle both but i don't i know that this is what it's going to take like I know I'm gonna have to put in this effort on my own, just like I did when I was on the road to get home. If I want to get to where I want to go in my life, like I'm gonna to have to put in this effort. I'm gonna to have to dig deep, and I'm just asking, you know, for your guys' support. If you listen this far, then you you like something about me, hopefully, and um, and about what I'm all about, and um. You know, I I just love this Jeep life and I want to be a part of it as, as, as much as possible. I try to find balance in life with with God and my family and my work-life balance. But ultimately, I feel like if you do what you love, it makes things so much easier. And and, and, and that's ultimately how I made it through the trip. Like, like if that was a, a Toyota Corolla I was driving cross-country and I'd have burned it to the ground and bought a rental car or... <laughs> <laughs> sold it while I was there, but I, but, but I couldn't do that with that LG. I had to bring it back. I, ha- I had to own it. Like it has, you know, it's a part of me, like it's part of the family. So, um, I'm starting this, I mean, I've been doing Black Bear off road now for 
over two years, but like I'm starting this shop and it's just a crazy new time and adventure. So, um, what I need your help with is just, just share the word as best you can about the podcast, about my YouTube channel, about my website. And, uh, when you see the shop come out that it, like, I haven't really told anybody about it, but, uh, spread the word the best you can. Even if you don't live in the same state as me, you can always do it on social media. Um, you can support me if you planning on buying Jeep parts or overland gear, uh, on our website, you can reach out to me, um, through email or phone. And if there's anything I can do for you to help service you, I'd love to do it. Um, that wasn't the point of this, um, uh, uh, podcast. Actually, the whole point of this was to tell this story, but it was kind of an emotional story and it kind of ties in where I'm headed and segues into where I'm headed right now in life. So, uh, I just wanted to share that while I'm, while I'm sharing things, I want to share all that. So guys, I, if you listen this far, thank you. Thank you so much for your support. I hope you enjoyed the story. Um, I hope you take the time to do a crazy adventure and, and actually plan it out um, and, and have the parts ready and have an exit strategy or don't, or just have a crazy trip like I did. And um, I definitely am not going to live as long after the stress I put myself through uh, on that trip, but it was totally worth it. Guys, I appreciate you listening. And as always, we'll be seeing you. Oh, and by the way, like three months later, um, I pulled my front seat up, um, and I used to keep like a, a thing of oil underneath my seat, just like a, a quart of oil and underneath the quart of oil was, uh, my wallet. And, uh, so <laughs> I got my wallet back, but at that point it was useless. I had to get all new cards and, and IDs and all that stuff. But, uh, anyways, found my wallet. Long story short. Thanks for listening. Bye.